0: Section 5 of The Glories of Ireland. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. The Glories of Ireland. Edited by Joseph Dunn and P.J. Lennox. Irish Love of Learning by rev p s denine m a r u i the distinguishing property of man says cicero is to search for and follow after truth therefore when disengaged from our necessary cares and concerns we desire to see to hear and to learn, and we esteem knowledge of things obscure or wonderful as indispensable to our happiness. De Officius 1 4. I claim for the Irish race that throughout their history they have cut down their bodily necessities to the quick in order to devote time and energy to the pursuit of knowledge, that they have engaged in intellectual pursuits not infrequently of a high order on a low basis of material comfort, that they have persevered in the quest of learning under unparalleled hardships and difficulties even in the dark night of a nation's eclipse when a school was an unlawful assembly and school-teaching a crime I claim, moreover, that, when circumstances were favorable, no people have shown a more adventurous spirit or a more chivalrous devotion in the advancement and spread of learning. Love of learning implies more than a natural aptitude for acquiring information— it connotes a zest for knowledge that is recondite and attainable only at the expense of ease of leisure of the comforts and luxuries of life and a zeal for the cultivation of the mental faculties it is of the soul and not of the body it refines elevates adorns it is allied to sensibility to keenness of vision to the close observation of mental phenomena Its possessor becomes a citizen of the known world. His mind broadens. He compares, contrasts, conciliates. He brings together the new and the old, the near and the distant, the permanent and the transitory, and weaves from them all the web of systematized human thought. I am not here concerned with the extent of ireland's contribution to the sum of human learning nor with the career of her greatest scholars i am merely describing the love of learning which is characteristic of the race and which it seems best to present in a brief study of distinct types drawn from various periods of irish history in the pre-christian period the druid was the chief representative of the learning of the race he was the adviser of kings and princes and the instructor of their children his knowledge was of the recondite order and beyond the reach of ordinary persons the esteem in which he was held by all classes of the people proves their love for the learning for which he stood patrick came and with him came a wider horizon of learning and greater facilities for the acquisition and diffusion of knowledge monastic schools sprang up in all directions at clonard armagh clonmanoy bangor lismore Kildare, innisfallen these schools were celebrated throughout europe in the earlier middle ages and from the fifth to the ninth century ireland led the nations of europe in learning and deserved the title of the island of saints and scholars our type is the student in one of these monastic schools he goes out from his parents and settles down to study in the environs of the monastery he is not rich he resides in a hut his time is divided between study prayer and manual labour he becomes a monk only to increase in devotion to learning and to accentuate his privations he copies and illuminates manuscripts he memorises the psalms he glosses the vulgate scriptures with vernacular notes he receives ordination and realizing that there are benighted countries ten times as large as his native land beyond the seas and burning with zeal for the spread of the gospel and the advancement of learning sails for britain or passes into gaul or reaches the slopes of the apennines or the outskirts of the black forest the rest of his life is devoted to the foundation of monasteries to which schools are attached to the building of churches and to the diffusion around him of every known branch of knowledge he may have taken books from ireland overseas and of these relics are now to be found among the treasures of the ancient libraries of europe columnsil columbanus adamnan gaul virgilius occur to the mind in dwelling on this type the hereditary Chade, who treasured up the traditional lore of the clan and its chief was held in high honour and enjoyed extraordinary privileges he held a freehold he was high in the graces of the chief and officiated at his inauguration an important type is the irish ecclesiastical student abroad in the penal days school teaching unless at the sacrifice of faith was a crime in ireland and the training required for the priesthood had to be obtained on the continent the irish out of their poverty established colleges in rome 1628 salamanca 1593 seville 1612 Alcala, fifteen ninety Lisbon, fifteen ninety three, Louvain, sixteen thirty four, Antwerp, sixteen twenty nine, Douai, fifteen seventy seven, Lille, sixteen ten, Bordeaux, sixteen o three, Toulouse, sixteen fifty nine, Paris, sixteen o five, and elsewhere as late as 1795 these colleges contained 478 students and some of them are still in existence the young student in going abroad risked everything he often returned watched by spies with his life in danger yet the supply never failed the colleges flourished and those who returned diffused around them not only learning but the urbanity and refinement which were a striking fruit and mark of their studies abroad another type is the irish scribe in the days of ireland's fame and prosperity and of the flood-tide of her native language he was a skilled craftsman and the extant specimens of his work are unsurpassed of their kind but i prefer to look at him at a later period when he became our sole substitute for the printer and when his diligence preserved for us all that remains of a fading literature he was miserably poor he toiled through the day at the spade or the plough or guided the shuttle through the loom at night by the flare of the turf-fire, or the fitful light of a splinter of bogwood, he made his copy of poem, or tract, or tale, which but for him would have perished. The copies are often ill-spelt, and ill-written, but with all their faults, they are as noble a monument to national love of learning as any nation can boast of in our gallery of types we must not forget the character whom english writers contemptuously call the hedge schoolmaster the hedge school in its most elemental state was an open-air daily assemblage of youths in pursuit of knowledge inasmuch as the law had refused learning a fitting temple in which to abide and be honoured she was led by her votaries into the open and there beside the fragrant hedge if you will with the green sward for benches and the canopy of heaven for dome she was honoured in ireland even as she had been honoured ages before in greece in palestine and by our primordial celtic ancestry themselves the hedge schoolmaster conducted the rites and the air resounded with the sonorous hexameters of virgil and the musical odes of horace in the irish speaking portions of the country the hedge schoolmaster was often also a poet who wrote mellifluous songs in irish which were sung throughout the entire district and sometimes earned him enduring fame Uillr O'Sullivan and Andrew McGrath, called An Mangar Sogach, or the Jolly Peddler, are well-known instances of this type. The poor scholar is another type that, under varying forms and under various circumstances, has ever trod the stage of Irish history. From an ancient Irish manuscript, see O'Curry, Manners and Customs two seventy nine and eighty we learn that adamnan the biographer of saint Columsel, and some other youth studied at clonard and were supported by the neighbourhood the poor scholar more than any other type embodies the love of learning of the irish race in the schools which preceded the national he appeared in a most interesting stage of development he came from a distance attracted by the reputation of a good teacher and the regularity of a well-conducted school he came avowedly poor his only claim on the generosity of his teacher and of the public was a marked aptitude for learning and an ardent desire for study and cultivation of mind he did not look for luxuries he was satisfied if his bodily wants were reasonably supplied even with the inconveniences of frequent change of abode a welcome was extended to him on all sides his hosts and patrons honoured his thirst for knowledge and tenacity of a purpose He was expected to help the students in the house where he found entertainment, and it may not have been unpleasing to him on occasion to display his talents before his host. When school was over, it was not unusual to find him surrounded by a group of school companions, each pressing his claim to entertain him for the night. Despite the hospitality of his patrons, the poor scholar often felt the bitterness of his dependent state, but he bore it with equanimity, his hand ever eagerly stretched out for the prize of learning. What did learning bring him? Why was he so eager to bear for its sake? Oh, the thousand aches that patient merit of the unworthy takes— sometimes he became a priest sometimes his life was purposeless and void but he was ever urged onward by the fascination of learning and of the cultivation of the nobler part of his nature as might have been expected the irish who have emigrated to the american and australian continents have given touching proof of their devotion to the cause of learning. I have space only for a few pathetic examples. An Irish workman in the United States, seeing my name in connection with an Irish dictionary, wrote to me a few years ago to ask how he might procure one, as, he said, an Italian in the works had asked him the meaning of Erin Gobrah, and he felt ashamed to be unable to explain it a man who at the age of three had emigrated from clare in the famine time wrote to me recently from australia in the irish language and character an old man named john o'regan of new zealand who had been twelve years in exile in the united states and forty-eight on the australian continent with failing eyesight in a letter that took him from january to june of the year nineteen hundred six to write endeavoured to set down scraps of irish lore which he had carried with him from the old country and which had clung to his memory to the last in my digging life in the quarries he says books were not a part of our swag prayer-book excepted in 1871, when I had a long seat of work before me, I sent for McCurtain's Dictionary to Melbourne. It is old and wanting in the introductory part, but for all was splendid, and I loved it as my life. see Gaelic Journal, December 1906 References Joyce A Social History of Ancient Ireland, 2 Volumes, 2nd Edition, Dublin, 1913. Healy, Ireland's Ancient Schools and Scholars, Dublin, 1890. Maynooth College Centenary History, Dublin, 1895. O'Curry, Manners and Customs of the Ancient Irish, three volumes dublin and london eighteen seventy three manuscript materials of irish history reissue dublin eighteen seventy three Carlton traits and stories of the irish peasantry especially volume three the poor scholar montalembert the monks of the west authorized translation seven volumes london 1861. Meyer, learning in Ireland in the fifth century, Dublin, nineteen thirteen. Denine, Poems of Ewan Rude O'Sullivan, Introduction, Dublin, 1902. The Mag Poets, Introduction, Dublin, 1906. Boyle, The Irish College in Paris, 1578, to nineteen oh one, with a brief sketch of the other Irish colleges in France, Dublin nineteen oh one. Irish Ecclesiastical Record, New Series, Volume eight, three hundred seven, four hundred sixty five, Third Series, Volume seven, three hundred fifty, four hundred thirty seven, six hundred forty one. End of section five.